Hi, I'm Abby. And I'm Christy. And And we we are are the the Truth Seekers. We are all human beings on this earth seeking our truth. And this is the platform we created to share our findings. This episode contains content that may be triggering to some. Please make sure you're in a mental space to hear conversations about childhood trauma, sexual abuse, eating disorders, and substance use disorder. Hello and welcome to our third episode. We are happy to be here. We're actually in the same spot that we've been the past, well, our first other two. (laughs) Um... So it's, it's, it's the spot. It's the spot. It hits the spot. It's the spot. It's all of it. Um, so today we're going to hear what Christy has to say, what her truth is. And before we get started, I just want to compliment Christy on her new glasses. Yay! Um, you guys, I didn't know how badly I needed glasses. And I, I got, I'm 32 and I went and got an eye exam, and it turns out I, I do need some glasses. So I can see in HD now, and I can see blades of grass. Everything <laughs> is very crisp. I'm just kind of losing it over the, how cool this is. So if you haven't had an eye exam, highly recommend it. <laughs> yes, take care of yourself out there. And now she's joined the glasses club, because I've had glasses since I've been 12 or something. So yeah, welcome. Yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, I guess to downshift a bit, let's let's start talking about whatever your truth is in this current moment. Okay, so I've been trying to think of you know, there's just so much that goes into this for me, and um, I guess I'll just start with like where I'm at now, and that's going to tie back into where I've come from, what got me here, and so currently I live in a tiny home. And it's not like a cool tiny home. It's just like a really small home. (laughs) But I love it. And it has a yard and a shed and an apple tree. And I live, I just recently adopted a cat named Frank. And Frank is just the sweetest young man. He's actually eight. But um, yeah, so I'm really grateful to live there because um, I live alone and except for Frank. But um, a lot of my truth, I've realized, comes from these levels and like these like periods of independence that I've achieved in my life has really like brought me to where I am and allowed me to be as grounded and healthy as I am. Um, and I'll talk about more about that in a second. Um, I currently, right now, I for the last two months. I recently decided to get a job at a mental health agency where I work with people with opioid use disorder and other substance use disorders. Um, And that job was, I was hired as a recovery coach. And so recovery coaches are people who have lived experience with, with substance use disorder, whether it be with a family member or you know, like someone close to them, significant other, or if somebody themselves has substance use issues, um, and then they've overcome them, then they can become a recovery coach. And so, is this something you knew that you wanted to do, or did they just kind of come along and you went for it? I have not been able to live authentically in my truth of being a person who had substance use issues, and I, you know, that was my big secret for a long time. Um, I was finally kind of able to face it and come out to my family about how I had substance use issues. And um, that was a huge step for me. That was, you know, probably three years ago because I really didn't tell my family about that until I was done engaging with that in an unhealthy way. And so, you know, you protect that by not talking about it or by not being honest. Absolutely. Well, it's similar to, you know, in the last episode, we talked about eating disorders and it's a very similar concept. So I kind of, though I, you know, though my experience was different, it's still kind of the same underlying feeling of wanting to hide it and protecting that because it's all you have, quote unquote. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what your, that's your coping mechanism. That's what you do to feel good. Um, 
Yeah. And, and I built my life around that for a long time. And so I, you know, it was, I never thought I would see myself at a job interview where I was talking about my drug use. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would have never imagined that. I'm sure. <laughs> I was honestly very jarring to be interviewed and, and talk about that. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I imagine they asked you questions like, oh. what's your experience with this? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. well, and they told me that they, unless at the time, so they changed some regulations and it can be an affected other, but it used to be, it had to be somebody that personally had substance use issues. And so they're like, are you a person who has substance use issues? And I was just like, whoa, I don't even know you yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, it was hard. It was hard for me to even talk about it. And like I said, I wasn't ready to live in that truth. Yeah. I wasn't ready to identify myself as that person. Um, and I was trying to keep that away. Like I could erase that part of my past. Um, but through, you know, some really significant, signif like a very significant person in my life who lives that truth every day, I was able to see that it's okay to live that truth mm. um, and to be that person and to use that to inspire others. Um, and it's, it's really helped me heal. You know, it's only been two months since I've been like identifying this way and like using that in a positive way, I guess. I have done it more like candid in the past um, with people, but not just like to the whole world, which is how I feel now because it's, you know, this is my professional life. Um, so that to me is like just a huge, huge step in like authenticity and like facing my fears and like having courage. And then, and, you know, like coming to this podcast, it's like it gives me a lot of um, strength to to address some other things that I live that kind of eat me inside because I never talk about them. And I mm. feel like it's so, so important. Um, it is. I mean, I found in my own experience, mostly with, you know, my eating disorder. And I guess there's another topic that I haven't shared yet that I would also kind of agree with in this aspect is there's something so powerful about saying it out loud and other people hearing it. And it's, for me, it was so freeing and this weight lifted off my shoulders because I didn't have to bear it alone anymore. You know, there were other people who saw me, heard me, willing to help. And, you know, I could use those resources to to get what I needed. So, well, and that's that's what recovery coaching is, too, where like I work with people that um, they they have this this problem, you know, or this medical or mental health condition and they they're stuck and they need help and they deserve to be seen as worthy human beings that just have a problem rather than being demonized or stigmatized and you know cast out of society you know which is how I felt would what would happen to me if I ever told anyone um and I think there are some people that really like feel a strong way about it but to me it's all just um people all deserve to be you know if they're like ready to meet you there then they deserve to have that help agreed you know and like and nobody is a lost cause you know what I mean like I think everybody deserves to like be healthy you know and I think you know th and that all kind of ties into the fact that like I think the majority of substance use issues come from um trauma <laughs> you know it's like people who have some significant traumatic experiences in their life they use um drugs and alcohol to cope or if you some people it's genetic it runs in their family sometimes it's a learned behavior sometimes it's just a lifestyle you know like if you grow up in poverty and all you know is how to survive based on like you know kind of some criminal activity because you can't really get ahead anyway otherwise um so yeah and and that's that's kind of just like a significant thing for me right now um I recently did get promoted though, which I'm very like grateful for. And I think it really reflects, um, my, cause I have a degree in recreational therapy and I do know a lot about, um, health and, um, I do have an education. So like now I'm a patient navigator and I'm able to help people in a different capacity. That's more than just support. But I think that that little two months was so integral and like developing who I am and feeling like good about myself um and being able to like live that truth and just yeah. like get over that barrier of feeling afraid and and own it and own it and good for you a for getting promoted but also <laughs> b for 
taking that step in your life to do a job that is so vulnerable in itself and like you said like you know interview they asked you if you had substance abuse issues in the past or whatever and like yeah I have and then you just I don't know you have to be so brave and vulnerable and that's a big deal yeah it's a big deal and it's so cool that you get to you get to be that advocate for other people in in the shoes you used to walk in and you can you know and so you can relate to them so much and I can't even imagine what you do on a daily basis with these people I like to think it's good stuff but <laughs> now that I say that I'm like uh I'm okay <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no I'm sure I mean and with your kind heart and your you know you're so thoughtful and caring I mean like that's got to be the, the perfect recipe for this position so I'm Thank excited you. to see like maybe where this could take you who knows well so the thing is is I since ugh, like so like let's take it all the way back I um so the thing that really I've dealt with mental health issues my whole life but I'm undiagnosed because for mo majority of my life I was afraid of um going to providers and um I think that just even seeking help, um, counseling was stigmatized to me from people in my life that I was just like, no, only crazy people do that. Um, I didn't really see it as something that was like so necessary, um, to like care for your being and, and especially if you're dealing with those mental health issues. And so, you know, I, um, you know, I've had, I don't have the, like, it's weird because like I can self-diagnose, but I don't have like a doctor's diagnosis, but I would say I self-diagnose with um, having dealt with depression in my life and um, PTSD and having some pretty strong anxiety. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, um, the thing that really kind of like really messed me up, um, my, I, I was um, sexually abused by a family member. Um, and I say abused because it's a pattern of behavior when you say like I was molested, like it kind of inferred something different, but, um, this went on for several years. And so it started when I was, I think seven and didn't really end till I was like 11, but then there were still sketchy things that happened. Even after that, it was just, I was more able to stand up for myself, I would say, and identify what was happening to me. And so when that happens to you as a child, um, you end up like, for me, I was taught you trust adults that are like your caretakers and you are obedient and you, you listen to them and you do what they say and, and they're not out to get you. You know, those are, those are your family members. Right. And so, um, I was kind of, I would say the word groomed because I was like an easy target. And then there was this, um, taking advantage of the way that I didn't know my naivety because you know when you're seven years old you don't know what that is <laughs> totally um and, and why would you I mean you shouldn't no you know? I thank so, you for saying that yeah. and then um so I ended up kind of coming into a realization of what was happening to me and that kind of just broke my brain it broke my being and I felt really helpless and I felt like I didn't have a voice and I felt like a victim and I didn't want to be the girl known as the girl that got molested you know I was so afraid of that truth and um and I don't I don't identify with victimhood and I don't identify with that either you know what I mean um but I never wanted I was so afraid of that when I was you know a teenager and it was always like <laughs> you need to like maintain this like virginity or whatever and like you know I don't know like I had these like things that I attached to like purity and worth and like you know I, I felt like I was dirty and that like people wouldn't want me um and so that sort of led to um a lot of behavioral issues and a lot of distrust for people in general and then a lot of internalized self-hatred and self-loathing and like not loving myself um and then I ended up just having like a lot of like you know, struggles after that with, um, sexuality, I would say. And I ended up when you, when you're sexualized as a child and you have sexual experiences as a child, you become hypersexualized and it's like, you have very inappropriate behavior, um, that comes out. And so I ended up when I was 12 
one of my friend's older brother who was 18 um, took my virginity. And I think about that now and I was like, that's illegal. That's pretty fucked up. Totally. You know what I mean? And I just like, you know, but then I didn't, I didn't really realize it. And I remember having a really good friend who, um, I was afraid that I was pregnant and I told her and we were like sitting in the playground on the swings even. <laughs> and she was just like, Christy, you know, like you need to do something about this. You need to break up with him. And I'm so grateful for that friend because she helped me to get out of that. Like, I just needed that voice of reason. And I really couldn't tell anyone else because I knew he would get in trouble. And in, in a way, I was protecting him. But, like, for me, I'd always had this belief that, you know, this sexual behavior is what makes somebody love you. And so, um, I don't know. I just kind of, like, sold myself short by, like, engaging in that. But it's like I also I'm being hard on myself because I was also I was still a child. I was still a child then. <laughs> totally. Um, and so I ended up, let's like fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, I ended up having a lot of really unhealthy relationships. And so I had so many significant others. I was like pretty committed in my relationships to, for like overly committed to the point where I lost myself and I experienced a lot of abuse. Um, and I, you know, I abused back and I'll admit that, but it was just, there's so much unhealthy behaviors and, um, and, but like I had never admitted to anyone that what had happened to me, the sexual abuse from childhood until I was 24. Right. And so I went, you know, like most of my life, not telling anyone what happened to me, not getting any help and letting that just eat away at me and just like destroy my self-esteem and just like dealing with like, um, cause a lot of the abuse happened in my sleep. Um, I would have like nightmares and I would have like PTSD about people waking me up. And I just had a lot of issues that, um, I didn't really get help for and I didn't even necessarily know what was happening to me. So I had to kind of like resolve this puzzle um throughout my life and that is why I feel like I have such a big grasp on like mental health and healing mm. because I had to like take this very shattered person that I was and try to like get down to like those core issues and resolve them or at least like address them and like the inner child in me and be like it's okay um can I ask you so I know you just talked about that you were 24 when you finally told someone what what was that pivot point where you knew you need to talk to someone or say it or you know like I'm just curious if you could pinpoint because you because you were it sounds like you were aware of it all of those years you're aware that it happened right oh yeah I mean you to an extent you bottled it away right but you in the back of your head you knew and so I'm just curious well, like you, you grew up in a very small town, and I did too. I grew up in Montana. I had a graduating class of, I think, like, 17 people. I don't even know. It was so Yeah, small. you told me 17, Yeah, still, I'm still like, what the fuck? I, and you know what? That number might be wrong, and then my, the, my graduating class is going to be, like, so confused. Like, she can't even remember. Jeez, Christy. Um, but, um, so, I lived in the, I was so sheltered. And I was kind of naive. Like, I had somewhat of a worldly view from moving around as a kid. But, like, I still grew up in this very, like, small micro reality of what Montana was for me. And then I moved. So I was 24. And I was just, like, basically my idea then was if I run away from everything, then I will be able to start new. (laughs) But what I realized is that your problems will follow you. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, I ended up taking, I had a Ford Taurus station wagon that my mom gave me and it was pretty cool. And (laughs) I mean, you say station wagon and I'm all in (laughs) (laughs) and I packed everything that I had that would fit in there. And I drove from Montana with my mom's blessing all the way to Maine and I got some help. Uh, I stopped in Iowa. My grandfather drove with me um, through Chicago and through all the, like, really tough, scary places because I grew up on, you know, learning to drive on dirt roads in Montana. <laughs> and my papa is the sweetest, kindest man, and he um, supported me and, and kind of, like, helped me to chill out a little bit because I was so anxious. 
um, I can still remember him, like, you know, telling me how to drive, not, like, ten stops. <laughs> <laughs> Take deep breaths. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Papa had it. He, he knew. He knew how to do this. Had he traveled before? Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Or he's just a chill man. He's okay. both. both. He's a very good man. <laughs> um, yeah, I could talk all day about him. He's a very good man. Um, and then, so I ended up in, in Maine on my own, 24, very naive, and I started working at a grocery store where it was like a huge grocery store with tons of employees and I was in a very busy like big city in Maine um in Portland Maine and so I just like had so many encounters with people all day every day and it just broadened like my sense of self because it was like you know it's like if you look at the amount of people who I knew and knew who I was and and like my idea of like my concept of being known it went from being known by like a hundred people to being known by like a thousand and that just like changed everything for me I was like the world is so much bigger and diverse and different and when I came to Maine it was like the girls in my high school like if you didn't shave your legs like people would be like ew my god mm -hmm. and then I met like all these cool hippie girls that were like I'm I won't shave shit like what's up <laughs> you know what I mean and they yeah. were like they just were themselves and I was like oh my god I can be myself this is cool like people aren't gonna like make fun of me and it was just like I was like a growing thing and like a finding my people thing um well and how how exciting for you too because you know at that age you're very impressionable but then also you're so artsy and you have fashion and you have a style and so it probably just just came out and you were able to shine it when you got there it sounds like right <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah well I had um I started dreadlocks I think like that year in my hair so I was like definitely stood out because I had dreadlocks and I loved that I was like art project on my head I had dreads for seven years um and definitely people you stick out you know what I mean people totally. got to know me by that and and then but really what happened is I met a woman I was working with and I don't know how the conversation started, but I think she just kind of intuitively knew and just from the way I was, cause I was kind of a hot mess. Like I was, I remember having a review while working at that grocery store where my boss was like, Christy, you're depressed, but we're not going to fire you because you can't, I can't fire you for being depressed. But I would be like at the checkout fighting back tears or sometimes I would be crying mm -hmm. and then I would just like turn it off and check people's groceries out you know what I mean and like I think about that now and I'm like wow that's really crazy <laughs> like, <laughs> like well I mean yeah I mean yeah clearly you were going through something absolutely and yeah interesting that like I mean I'm glad that your boss felt comfortable enough to kind of point that out to you and well she had she's a cool lady like she had a degree in psychology because I used to ask her all kind of questions and that's like she was this leader of the store but like she also had this background in psychology and I think that really like supported the way that she interacted with people and what she was doing there which like I think about now I'm like that's super cool it's super cool yeah, yeah. and then um so the other woman I was working with she had had a similar experience in her childhood and um began to open up to me about it and I was just so relieved like you were saying when somebody else like can see you and mirror that truth back to you you feel so I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. And like this person is now modeling like a healthy healed person to me, even though they went through this. I'm like, you can, I can do it if they can do it. And, um, she was like, Christy, like I went to counseling. There's counseling right up the street. Like, you know, we have insurance that will cover this. And, um, also like there's support groups you can go to. She's like, this is what saved my life. You know, is having these, these interactions and having this help. And so I like got the courage up and I went and I had an intake done. And, and of course I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I didn't have like the knowledge I have now. And I just like, like blurted out like everything to this like therapist who was just like, holy shit, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like as you know, most people you have to kind of pull that out. Absolutely. Like, well, <laughs> it's, you were ready. You were ready to share all of that. And that's why you probably just like needed, you're like, I got to get this out of me. I've got to say it. You and know, it was scary. Cause I was like, I've never hold I've been like holding this all in and like yeah. I'm never and I'm like this was like I always and I thought something bad was gonna happen like I didn't I didn't know it was gonna happen yeah. you know what I mean can can I ask you like if you could go back to that moment when you were you know sitting in that room with that therapist and you were about to share this very heavy part of your life after you said it do you remember like a feeling or how you felt after or even after the therapy session when you walked away like what was that like for you um, I think any time 
I, um, somebody helps me with my trauma or my mental health. Um, I'll give you an example. <laughs> so today at work, we we're in a meeting and everybody started to talk at once across from each other. And I started to kind of, I would say disassociate because I didn't realize I was doing this and I was just kind of staring off into space and I got really tense and I just started like tapping my pen like really fast. And it was just kind of like, I was becoming really anxious and I didn't really, it was just like a reactive. Um, and one of my counselors next to me was like, Chrissy. <laughs> Like, and then the, and then I was like, I guess I don't like what's going on. And then they were like teasing me like, oh, you don't like the computers. And, and then um, it was really beautiful because the, you know, like I work with therapists. So the other therapist was like, remember your breathing. And he went, oh. and then, then they were just like doing really nice, you know, like really like kind of coaching me through it, kind of joking with me, you know, and then um, and empathizing with me. But then I like started to feel like really like, um, I was, my awareness was brought to this and then I started to feel like upset. Um, and I had to think about like, you know, like why does that upset me? And I still, I probably can't really tell you why, but I think that it's a problem for me is trying to ask for help. Um, so I think that it was probably something that was like heavy and emotional and didn't necessarily feel right to me at the time. But now I know that it was, like, the thing that allowed me to move on yeah. and to let that go. Because I used to keep, like, a tally, like, of all the things that happened and just dwell on that. Mm. And by, like, speaking it out um, and having the one thing that the therapist said to me that I kind of, like, in the moment I resented her and I was just like, fuck you, lady. Um, <laughs> fuck you, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, you're going to compartmentalize all of this. And now I will say those same words to other people. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, they're probably And me. now people are like, fuck you, Christy. <laughs> Pretty much. It's come full circle. <laughs> That's my truth. Um, <laughs> like, so, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and it was true. I did compartmentalize that. Instead of it running as a thread that was, like, basically what it was doing, it was casting. Ugh, it was, like, putting this, like, hue on everything in my life. It was, like, my perspective, my lens was colored by all of that trauma, and I let it color everything. I was, like, everything I'm doing right now is, like, has something to do with this trauma, everything the way I feel. And so when you compartmentalize that... Um, you get to tuck it away. You get to deal with it. And instead of it being your everyday experience, you say, we went through that. Now let's move on. Mm -hmm. It's still there, but it's like not in everything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really like, I, that's all I really remember. And like, I remember asking in a very kind of like, what's your deal lady type of way? <laughs> what like, are you doing, Susan? Yeah. <laughs> Like, what's your relationship with your mother? Like, you know, like, I was just not, I did not have the maturity I have now. And Was that know. like a, like a, like a, like a deflection thing? Like, I don't want to talk about me anymore? Or do you it think? It was, it was a, I don't trust you yet. I don't trust your ability to help me because what have you been through? What are, like, who are you? Yeah. 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 I get that. Um, but these were all just good people wanting to do good. And, <laughs> right. and I see that now and I'm just like, oh, bless their hearts for putting up with my shit. And that's why now I try to have a lot of compassion and and take a, a second and, you know, be like, OK, I was there once, you know, and like what really was going on, you know, and it was I was stuck in an overwhelming amount of trauma reaction and sadness and upset and and just like. I held a resentment against spirit and against the universe because I was like, why the hell was I handed this? Why the hell was I dealt this hand? You know, like, what's the point of living if this is what I have? You know, and I couldn't see how beautiful and how amazing my story was and what I could do with it. And so, um, you know, I think that really is like what my truth is now is being able to say that. I'm so grateful for all of the things that I went through and that I've been able to overcome because it allows me to be this beautiful person and to help others and to 
and I'm, I feel like I'm pretty magical, you know, like I feel like if it, if I didn't have all of that, like I wouldn't be me. And I, and I see other people and I see, you know, beyond all the stuff that they've gone through, that they're also beautiful people. Absolutely. Wow. That was, that was really wonderful. That all that that you just shared. So if you don't mind me asking after that therapy session, what transpired after all of that? So I ended up, you know, I kept going to counseling and I think like I, um, at some point I must've like switched jobs. Um, I just didn't keep pursuing that. I kind of, I, so I started going to college and that just took up so much of my life cause I was also working and that was a big step for me. Um, and choosing to get a degree in recreational therapy allowed me to take classes about, um, basically like healing, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, but in a more not so spiritual it had some spiritual aspects but a lot of it was just like a very much like I took a class where we learned about you know childhood trauma and about how it affects people and it gave me a lot of just like validity of like my life I was like okay this is why you know like this is what the statistics say if you've experienced all of this trauma you're not you're less likely to be successful and go to college and and it's because of how hard it is to cope with that and and it made me sad in a way but it was also like okay cool so like like I understand myself so much better and there was like a lot of like classes I took where you learn about human development and how that trauma in certain stages of the human development can affect you and then I took a class about like abnormal psychology I took a class about like all these um disabilities you know like I learned about um PTSD and depression and you know all these different and I got to like kind of like do the research and make sense of it but then I also learned tools for healing like I learned I did research and study on like how gardening can help people with PTSD and how it lowers their cortisol levels um I learned about how creative arts and expressive arts can help people with mental health issues um to build their self-esteem and how there's proven research that shows this and and for me I was like you know what was helping me heal at the time currently was the I had found people that were artists through doing hula hooping and through doing my art um, and going to festivals and that was really like what built me up and allowed me to have like a lot of self-esteem and like a big sense of self and a lot of confidence and I just felt unstoppable when I was doing that um and and I wanted so like because someone helped me that's what changed my life you know getting therapy I was like I need to be a therapist because without therapists I would have never healed and so I was like this is what I need to do but I didn't want to just be like I'll sit on my couch and I'm gonna talk to you like I wanted to do hula hooping with people and I wanted to like do gardening with people and you know have more than just the talking and have some some fun activities um and so I ended up, you know, gaining a lot more healing and a a lot more, like, understanding of myself. Um, And just, like, you know, going to college, I think it teaches you communication. And it helped me to learn to be responsible and be an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was, like, I grew a lot through that. And then I also, um, I had some, so, and, like, while this is all going on, this is, like, I was definitely having substance use issues. You know what I mean? And it was, like... I can't remember now, like, it was, like, kind of pre-college, there was a solid two years where I was really deep in it, it was very, very unhealthy, and that was kind of, like, my first tower moment, it was the first time that, like, I feel like I really, truly hit rock bottom, but it was, like, a mental health rock bottom, Mm. and I was very, 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 very depressed, and I came out of that, um, with the help, um, there's so much that goes into this, I'm, like, crazy but uh, there's a woman that taught me to meditate and she's a psychic named Mariana John um, who does past life regressions and she came up to me in the grocery store and just started talking to me and she um, gave me a part of her book to read and um, told me thoughts or things and taught me to meditate and gave me some mantras and some affirmations and just set me on the right path and like you know believed in me and she just randomly saw you in a grocery store she came up to me and she just started telling me stuff about myself and made me cry because I had like that to me like okay but experiences like that if that isn't proof of magic and just the chances though 
you know I mean what if you didn't go to that store that day you know and there, I don't know my mind goes a million directions with that but how beautiful I, that she stopped you and for some reason felt this need to talk to you and it, and she helped me and she and it and it really gave me purpose it gave me it renewed my faith um and my drive to um work on myself I guess and yeah. to to try and it was the kind of healing that made sense to me um it was the kind of work that made sense to me with like that it was like intuitive and connecting to myself um and it was magical and that's what I wanted you yeah know, I wanted that magic yeah. um do you let me ask you so so do you still practice those things today do you still meditate or what does that look like for you today to like take care of your mental health so I do I do um I used to be really strict like you know 10 minutes in the day in the morning 10 minutes at night like meditation and now I find that like going to the gym I get into a meditative state going I do a lot of walking meditations where I just go out into nature and I pay attention to the sights and sounds and just the feelings and I just kind of like tap out and am there in that present moment and I think that is to me is very rewarding um and I think that like depending on where I'm at um when I know that I'm becoming anxious or like indecisive or like stuck on something I will just sit and meditate and I pray a lot too you know I ask for help um when I need it and um I do listen to I'll find affirmations on YouTube where it's like eight hours when I'm sleeping sometimes it'll just be eight hours of like I am affirmations where it's like um I am protected or like I am healing I am taking care of my inner child like and it gets really in depth sometimes depending on the topic but I really like enjoy those those not everybody enjoys those but I really like I'll just put that on while I'm sleeping sometimes um and I feel like it just kind of allows me to like have the that be my thought um and I do a lot of listening to music but like not either like um like Hindu prayer music or I'll do like singing bowls or just like music where it's kind of more oriented to like being present in that sound than like dancing or, Mm -hmm. but I feel like dancing can be a form of meditation too. Mm, um, Agreed. And and just spiritual release. Um, And I think to me now, like what um, a healthy lifestyle looks like is having a balance with all these, you know, your emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, um, social well-being you know it's like I go out and I do the things that make me happy and I make art I spend time with people I love and I go out into nature as much as possible um I make myself healthy food and um you know just take time and instead of just busy 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 um yeah yeah and then and I check in with and I make sure that like um maybe I'm not eating right you know or maybe I'm not getting enough exercise or maybe I haven't just like taken time to like check in with myself um so it's it's not just like oh if I just like work out every day I'll be fine it's like there's so much more than that um and I and I'm open to like other people like just the other day when you were talking to me about like Ayurvedic oil massage Mm -hmm. um like I want to incorporate more of that just like self-love and and the connection to myself and like ritualistic self-care yes yeah that's that's one thing I've been getting more into is finding my morning and evening rituals and I find that that just puts me in this state where I'm more present and aware of my body in general and that's just such a better place to be than what you were saying when you're like more frantic and on the go and I I used to be that way like kind of just like up in the air and you know just like ah and um I don't know how much of Ayurveda you're familiar with but there's like the vata which is like the airy ether um and that's where I felt like I was at all the time and 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 now I feel way more grounded that I have those rituals and it's just that time with yourself to get you in the headspace for the day or to wind down at night and it's just so special so I'm glad that you liked that oil because I'm making more (laughs) (laughs) and I'll send them your way I just Um, like I just hadn't really like like thought of that practice and it's just so beautiful and I I want more of that I definitely crave that like one thing I like to do is I'll meditate but I'll meditate and I'll envision all the chakras and I'll Mm. go through all of them and I'll envision like a 
beautiful like crystalline root connecting to the core of the earth coming from my root chakra and then like a beam of light you know coming from my crown chakra and connecting um to the universe to spirit and um I'll also give myself Reiki and I'll just kind of like go through all of the chakras and say like an affirmation and just check in um just kind of like go you know like address where I'm at Um, yeah yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely um I kind of want to I want to switch switch gears a little bit and if you're willing to to if you're comfortable and like willing to go there with me but in the last episode when I was sharing um you shared a little bit of your experience with an eating disorder and I guess I would again if you're willing to share and only what you're comfortable with but if you kind of just share your experience with that and what that's looked like I know you mentioned that your um recovery was fairly recent you know like a few years ago yeah so I oh god when I was 13 I was 12 I was 12 I um I just became so obsessed with being thin and I think you know what you said really rang true to me but I hadn't had that thought yet of like it was something I could control and and what I was experiencing in my life was that there was a person in my life controlling everything about me and using that to just destroy my self-esteem and so um I had that control over myself and and I also kind of had like a like a high level of self-loathing where like I wanted to I I definitely like participated in some self-harm in different ways and um (laughs) yeah um and then so I was bulimic and so what I would do is I would restrict food but then I would eat dinner in front of my family and then I would go and I would take a shower after dinner and I'd throw up all my food and um uh I was doing this for a long time and then um, my parents found you know like some of the evidence that I was doing this and then confronted me and their way of confronting me was to just be like um if you don't stop we're gonna like have to send you away and I was so terrified I didn't want to get sent away um and so I stopped throwing up but then I just stopped eating as much like Mm. I just tried to like not eat all the time and I did this this was like pretty much my mo um up until about three years ago where I would just try to skip as many meals as possible or try to eat as little as possible and I would feel so proud of myself when I skipped a meal and um or if I made it through a whole day without like eating anything um it was just really unhealthy and it was like just I and it heightened my anxiety through the oh gosh yes and now if I don't eat I get that anxious feeling and I'm just like I lived like this and I think that when you mess with your body that way it stops paying attention like if you ignore this kind of like ache or pain and then you just like let it keep happening your body is like well I'm not going to stay sensitive to this because you're not doing anything about it it adapts it adapts and it's not a good thing right Um, a bad adaptation yeah (laughs) like not what you want yeah Yeah. and so um I I not to like interrupt you I'm just I guess I'm just curious if if this was something for you too I were you very obsessive about the calories for me it was just about the amount of amount of food it was like I couldn't I feel like I'm more (laughs) I pay more attention to calories now but yeah it was like back then I would like I wanted sugar all the time but I was like oh if I eat one cookie that's okay as long as I don't eat anything else yeah um yeah and it it was just very unhealthy and I um what really like I started I'm trying to think of how I really like there was just like three years ago I was like I'm gonna be sober and I'm gonna eat food and I'm gonna stop doing this and I can't really remember what it was that like I just like I don't know I just think I got to a point where I'm like I can't keep doing this to myself yeah um you know and 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 my body's still adapting to having three meals a day and like learning how to like not be the way it used to be because it used to take whatever nutrients I gave it and just be like okay we gotta store this and like I've seen my body change so much like I literally have gained 30 pounds um in the last three years you know and I have not been able to like I work out twice a week and I can't get rid of it but I feel so strong and I feel beautiful and I love my body and I feel like I would rather have muscle 
than be just a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> and I look at old pictures and I'm like, wow, I'm concerned for that girl. Yeah. Um, and I also just like, I don't, it's so unhealthy to not have three meals a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, and people might argue that, but like, I think for me, for my body, I need to have that, that like regimented, you know, nu- mm-hmm. nutrients coming into my body. Um, well, I think part of it too is, you know, as as young women were shown what's what people want to be what people want women to be which is skinny rail thin you know I think I do I will say this I do kind of feel like that's changing now I feel like thick is in yeah like (laughs) thick thighs stage lives um but I feel like when we were growing up that wasn't the case and so we were just more impressionable I mean I remember I couldn't wait until the new shape shape magazine or shape women's or whatever it's called magazine would come out because it would just give me all the new tips and all the, how I should eat and what I should do, you know? And, and I think kind of what you're describing now is that you finally came to a realization that it's not cookie cutter and that what actually is beneficial is listening to what you need, what Christy needs. And that is invaluable within itself. And well, you, and I think the, the I'm the, sorry. Did you oh answer? yeah. No, go. no, I, the, for me, it's like, there's body dysmorphia is real. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I look at those pictures, the old me would look at myself and go, I'm fat when I was like 120 pounds. And then now I look at those pictures and I go, that is a skeleton. And then I look at myself now and I look in the mirror and I will say the same thing to myself. I still have that body dysmorphia. I'll still look at myself and I'll go, God, I'm, I'm a whale. And then I will, it'll be six months down the road and I'll look at an old picture and I'll be like, wow, I look really good in that picture. What the fuck was wrong with me? Because I just can't see how I actually look. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like my eyes, my perception wants to just pick apart. If I'm not, you know, like if I'm not... I don't know. I don't even know what I need myself to look like, but I just like find these flaws and then I fixate on them and then I'm, you know, disgusted. But in reality, like I look great, you know, like I'm, I'm very healthy and I'm athletic and like, I'm beautiful. But like I, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, I don't like this person. I don't like how they look. Yeah. And I don't, and that's not every day, you know what I mean? But it's still part of me and it's still something that I struggle with. And I still like have to sit there and be like, no, you're gorgeous. No, Mm -hmm. like you look like a human being. Like you look like a woman your age should like you, or you look even better. You look great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I, I have to like, I don't know. It's just like obsessive, but I like, I would say that that's definitely body dysmorphia because it's not realistic. It's not real. Yeah. Same. I also, I also have struggled that with that for years and I still think I have it because exactly what you're describing. I'll, I'll like look in the mirror or something. I'm just like, but what's funny is I, I'm completely aware that what I'm seeing is not reality, but I can't unsee it. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, cause I know like, cause exactly what you said, when I look at old photos, I'm like, oh my God, I look so cute. You know, I'm like, exactly. Like I look like a human being, but there's just something about, I just have moments where I'm like, this is, this is my body. <laughs> I don't know. It's so strange. So well, I completely like, relate to that. And our bodies change. Like you, like if you eat food, you're going to like, your belly's going to look a little bigger. Or like if you're on your period, you might be bloated. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And like, you're going to like fluctuate. You know what I mean? Totally. And like, and the things that we compare ourselves to, it's like all of these models or like these Instagram people where they're like in the perfect position you know, with the perfect lighting, like they don't yeah. look like that all the time. Like, no. And like, they have cellulite, they have rolls, they have, if they like were to relax their body, they're not going to look all poise and like, um, I don't know, aerodynamic, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and also I don't, it's so funny cause I'm so critical of the way I look, but I don't think I've ever, like, I'm, you know, I'm interested in men and women but um men I've never had like a guy be like oh god you know what I mean they're always like you're hot you're beautiful like you know what I mean right and so um it's so it's like it's not even realistic no you know like (laughs) right it's coming from this this weird 
you know, voice in your head that was created by nonsense and from your past, from what you were shown is okay, what you shown is all right. And it's just all, it's not reality. It's not set in reality, but it's hard. It's hard to get there some days. It's hard to like realize that at points. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And I don't know. I guess is there anything else you want to share that feels you know? Like I feel out? like I shared so much, and I don't know if it, I linked it all together. But really, like what I wanted to come back to is just, um, you know, it's like I had, you know, some significant things that happened to me, and I could have let it be my story that I was a victim, and instead I took um, the all the people around me that wanted to help me. Um, and I like allowed that help to lift me up and to transform the person. Like basically I wasn't transforming because I was really just uncovering the person I always was. And I was becoming my own biggest supporter and I was learning how to show up for myself and love myself because that's really what it was. Is like, I just chose not to be there for me and I learned how to be there for me. And now I feel like I'm so good at it that I want to be there for other people. Wow. Yeah, that's so powerful. And right, you're 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 finally at a place in your life where you are so there for yourself that you have the capacity to do that for others, and that's incredible. I mean, that's just like a moment to just celebrate right there because that's just <laughs> that's a big deal. Some people don't get there, you know. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I know it's it's scary <laughs> recording things like this when it's when it's your it's your truth but you know you don't just normally just share it to people like this so I appreciate you so much with not only sharing but deciding to do this podcast with me and being so amazing every step of the way and I can't wait to see where this goes and what other stories we bring on here and and go from there absolutely and I think that you know like this is a big like kind of monumental like sharing of these really like these like these are like the burning desires that need to come out and it's really freeing um and I think I'm really excited to hear back from people that hopefully are touched by this and that um you know like resonate and and maybe it helps somebody even if it's just one person to not feel so alone totally um and going forward you know it's like I still have more to talk about Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to, you know, share even more of the story, um, and to connect with people through their stories. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm sure we will be sharing for a long time (laughs) because I know that, I mean, everyone's life is so dynamic, you know, that's just not the end of the story for Christy, right. Or the end of the story for Abby. So, so yeah, so we'll keep going, but until next time, thank you so much and yay. Goodbye. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are The Truth Seekers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would love to share your story, please email us at wearethetruthseekerspodcast at gmail.com.